Good morning, church family. It is so good to worship with y'all. It is like, uh, man, thank you so much for being here this morning. We're uh, blessed this morning to have our friends from Honduras, uh, Gene and Greg Hines. We uh, have spent the last couple of days with them. We, we are, we're excited that they're here today and they're going to share a little bit about what God's doing there, what God is doing in and through them. It's not them, it's God doing it in and through them, amen? amen? And so they're going to come and they're going to share. They've been in Honduras for about six and a half years now. They've been working down there for about 12 years because they went there and went there and went there. And then God said, no, I want you here all the time, not just part of the time. So we've, uh, we've been, Memorial has been down and working with them for about five years, even though Wilna and Jean go way back. I'm not saying they're old. I'm just saying they go way back. So uh, I want to invite Gene and Greg to come up here and share with us this morning. You good? Am I on? You are. Good morning. Good morning. Wow, it is just an awesome privilege to be here. Um, it's good to be back in the States. Like uh, all of you know, 2020 was quite a challenge for all of us, and um, but yet at the same time, it was a it was a great year because God was still in control as He is today. Amen. And for those of you who do not know us, I'm Jean, and this is Greg. <laughs> so, and as uh, Joel said, um, we have spent a lot of time together over the years, especially Wilna and I. We go. We go back a lot of years, and, and uh, we've seen a lot of great things happen, and we're just thankful for that. But, but most of all, we're just thankful for each and every one of you that's here today, and uh, we're looking forward to sharing with you what God has done, because we can't do anything without Him. Amen. So um, we appreciate everything that you do for us, the prayers, because we know, we don't know who is praying, but we know you are praying, and that is that is key for each and every one of us, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. So um, when you think of someone, just lift their name up in prayer. It means a lot to that person, um, even though they may never know exactly who it was. But um, we greatly appreciate the prayers of each and every one, wherever they may be, and all the support that comes through that prayer. And um, as we share more about what God is doing, um, we just hope that, that you see where he is, he is at work. And so I'm going to let Greg speak from here. That's right. Just take that with you. Morning, everybody. As Jean said, it is really good to be here. It's hard to believe that it's been two years since we were last here. Um, but uh, we are uh, blessed and grateful to, to be back here with, with all of you. Um, even though it's been two years, you feel like family. So uh, we're grateful to be back here with our Memorial Baptist Church family. Um, last year was hard. Okay, that's, that's the truth. It was hard for everybody. You didn't have to be in Honduras for it to be a hard year. It was a hard year for, for, for uh, all of you here. We've all been touched in some way by, by the events that have unfolded um, over the last, uh, now going on uh, 12, 18 months, uh, however long it's been. Um, but this morning, we're not going to talk about all the should-ofs and would-ofs and could-ofs and, and all the things that didn't happen that we thought were going to happen. Um, we're going to talk about and rejoice and celebrate the things that God has done Amen. because 
None of this caught God by surprise. He has not stepped away from his throne. He is sovereign and he is in control. He's greater than COVID. He's greater than hurricanes. He's greater than all of those things. And none of this escaped his attention. So that's what we're going to talk about today, about the great things God has done in, in Honduras, um, uh, in, in, in the lives of, of the communities and the places that uh, we've been blessed to, 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 be, to be placed, to be allowed to serve. So we'll start with a really first basic slide. We're going to show you a map. And, and I even figured out how to put a red dot on it finally, so I don't have to try to stand here and point and f- explain where we are. So I don't know that it means a whole lot more to, to many of you here, but that red dot is where we are. Um, we are near to the borders of Guatemala and El Salvador in the remote southwestern mountains of Honduras. Um, and I'm going to assume that not everybody knows exactly who we are. Some of you might be wondering, or if there's anybody listening out there, you might be thinking, well, why are these guys standing up on the stage? So we're just going to throw a quick slide up with a little bit of, of who we are, a tiny little bit of our background. We took our first mission trip in 2005 to Africa. Um, we were asked to lead a team to the part of Honduras to look out where we are now in 2009. Um, as Joel said, we kept going, we kept going, and then in 2012, we heard God say, um, I've got some work for you guys to do here uh, on a permanent basis. Uh, if you want to come and be a part of it, come on. That's not exactly how God said it, but, but that's a, a, a pretty good uh, summary. Um, we were commissioned and sent by our home church uh, in Georgia, Kennesaw First Baptist Church. We moved in 2015. We went with a team. Uh, that was coming down to serve with us. Um, uh, we had our suitcases and our backpacks, and the team graciously agreed to, to check six trunks for us, and, and that's what we went to Honduras with. We had a house uh, under construction and an old truck, and, and that was pretty much how it got started. Um, since then, things have, have grown and, and changed and developed, and, and God's allowed us to be the co-founders of, of uh, the two nonprofit ministries, FHD Missions as our stateside 501c3 ministry, and FHD Honduras is, is the ministry uh, in Honduras uh, through which we do all of our work and our projects. So FHD, what does FHD stand for? Well, F stands for family, H stands for health, D stands for development. We felt like from, from the beginning of, of us being in Honduras, these were areas of focus that, that God had for us. God ordained the family, so that seems to be a good place to, to start. Um, health is important. Health covers physical health, mental health, spiritual health. It covers all of those areas. Same thing for development. Um, you know, there's, there's educational development. There's all kinds of other development. There's spiritual development. And we are doing our best to, to serve and in all of those, uh, serve the people of Honduras in all those capacities. Gene um, and I both come from a corporate background, so um, uh, as our, our corporate training, we can't let it all go. So um, our ministry has a vision statement and a mission statement. So um, we'll, we'll pop those up on the screen. Uh, I, I won't read them to you. Uh, you guys can all read, so uh, we'll let you do that. Um, but above our mission our vision statement, our mission statement is one of my favorite proverbs. Uh, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Um, so that along with Psalm 121, 1 and 2 that you saw on our introductory slide, those are a couple of foundational verses for us as, as we uh, continue to, to live and serve in Honduras. I bolded and put in italics the word responsibly under our vision, and I want to talk about that just for a, a second. What we mean by that when we say we're working together responsibly is that we are working with Honduran pastors and leaders and congregations and churches and and community leaders 
And a core principle of, of our ministry is that we do not want to do anything for anybody that they could or should be doing for themselves. We do not want to create dependency in any way that becomes unhealthy or robs people of their dignity and their worth. That is what we mean by working together responsibly with people uh, in the communities that we serve. So how do we do it? We do it by in various forms. We, uh, disaster relief was a, a new ministry thrust upon us last year that, uh, that we had no idea was coming in 2020, but God did. Um, we uh, serve with short-term mission teams. That was a piece of our ministry that virtually disappeared in 2020, and God knew that also was going to happen. We had three teams uh, come January, February, March, and then that was it for the rest of the year as the country was locked down and, and all the things unfolded that we're all quite familiar with at this point. Um, community outreach and evangelism, that covers all the things, traditional things you might think of. It covers construction projects, it covers medical clinics, it covers VBS with children, it covers um, just good door-to-door -door visits door-to-door -door evangelism, just going out with pastors and church leaders and knocking on doors and, and sitting down with people and praying with them and, and, and telling them about Jesus. Uh, student scholarships is uh, one of our programs, sort of falls under that development category. Um, we talked a little bit about that in 2019. We have seven students that are in our scholarship program now. Um, uh, six of them are university students, and that was the main purpose for our scholarship program, was to provide opportunities for high school students to continue on with their studies. Um, excellent high school students that were going to graduate high school, and you say, well, what are you going to do next? Well, I'm going to go work in a field. Okay, nothing wrong with working in a field. Uh, lots of people work in fields, and, and there's a need for that. But when you see someone with potential, to do something different, to do something more, with the potential to possibly change their family and to change their community, and who knows, to change their nation. Those are the kind of people that we look for uh, to enroll in our scholarship program. We believe we have six students in that program right now that have the potential to do that. And then we have one who is in high school, uh, a sponsored high school student. And La Casa de Ruben, that is where we're gonna camp out and talk for a little bit as we uh, give our update this morning. Um, you can go ahead and, and uh, go to the next slide. Um, here's some pictures before we get to, to the Reuben House. Uh, there's a couple of pictures of, of us doing some food distribution. We delivered a little bit over 18,000 pounds of food last year to uh, families in need. Um, and 3,000 pounds of soap, which was uh, laundry soap and hand soap. The pandemic and the lockdown, actually the lockdown created uh, severe economic distress across the mountains of Honduras. So that was what uh, birthed the food distribution ministry. Well, that then morphed into, into uh, disaster relief ministry in November um, when back-to-back uh, -back Category 5 hurricanes hit, hit uh, the coast of Honduras and Nicaragua and uh, inflicted uh, significant damage in, in certain parts of the country. Um, you go to the next slide. That's um, that's a picture. The the picture um, that uh, just looks like a dirt and a pile of rubble is where a man named Alejandro's house used to be. 
uh, before the uh, uh, tropical storms, because by the time it got to our part of Honduras, they had weakened the tropical storms, but the amount of rain was just unbelievable that, that got dumped in these mountains. Um, so mudslides were the big problem. So that's where Alejandro's house used to be. The other picture is, is a picture of the home that um, uh, our ministry was able to build for, for Alejandro um, and his family. And uh, that's one of 11 homes that we've been able to, to complete this year in a community called Montaña Verde. And um, you know, please pray for us to be able to, to do a few more. Um, when, the, when the rainy season ends and we can get back up there, the logistics are, are extremely difficult to get up there. And um, our ministry has been the only ministry that has been working in that area doing construction because of how, how challenging it is to get up there. Um, I think we got a picture of our yeah, just a picture of our short-term mission teams. July of this year, our first short-term mission team came back to Honduras. So um, it was a blessing to, to be back out in the communities with the team doing ministry. Um, we did ministry with children at the school in the community. The school is still closed in Honduras. We're, we, they've essentially lost two years of, of, uh, of in-class education. Um, they, they say we're going to educate online. That's fine. But there's, uh, there's, I don't know what the number is, but all across those mountains of Honduras, there's not any online capability uh, taking place. So we were able to do ministry with children in the school. Um, that was just one of the things we did with that team. It was great. Um, and we look forward to hopefully being able to do more of that in, in 2022 again. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, it's a little bit about our scholarship program. We've got a picture of, of um, uh, six of our seven students uh, down at the Rubin House. Uh, they came down and we, we had a work day together earlier this year. So um, much of what's on the slide um, uh, we talked about, uh, we, we've covered already. Um, without the scholarship program, there's no chance that, that these students would be able to continue on with their education. So we're grateful that the Lord's been providing uh, for, that, uh, for that program. Okay, so let's talk about the Rubin House. Um, the Rubin House is our project located in Gracias, which is near to the rehabilitation centers, and it's our ministry to people with physical disabilities. So um, people with physical disabilities in Honduras are a very marginalized people group. Um, they uh, live lives of loneliness and isolation. They lack uh, the care um, that they really need um, uh, to learn how to live and 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 thrive as much as possible. Um, it's just um, it's just a, a it's a lot of needless suffering. You, you know, we focus on people with physical disabilities in this ministry, but the physical stuff isn't really usually even the worst part of it. The mental and the emotional part of it is 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 what we're what we're learning uh, requires a significant amount of, of attention. There's depression. There's uh, just feelings of loneliness, hopelessness. They feel like they have no purpose, no reason to exist in life. Um, how much exposure they have to the gospel is is questionable, um, just because of the fact that they're isolated in their homes. There's not transportation, there's not mobility vehicles, there's all the things that we're used to here that we have in the U.S. to help people survive and, and do well, even with physical disabilities, just really doesn't exist there. So basically, the physically disabled live a life of being left behind and left out. Um, go ahead to the next slide. So La Casa de Ruben, or the Ruben House. Um, we didn't know all of that when we opened up the house two and a half years ago. 
Um, God just gradually opened our eyes to, to the physically disabled in Honduras as we spent time in the communities doing uh, medical mission clinics and, and um, just, getting, just visiting people and just learning uh, you know, of families in, in all of these communities. Um, and then really the, the pivotal event was when we met Ruben in um, October of, of 2017, um, six months after uh, he had become paralyzed. So La Costa de Ruben is our ministry to people with physical disabilities. Um, we provide housing, uh, food. Um, our, our meal count per month has gone up a little bit. We've, been, we've brought some more people in, but, but last year we averaged about 500 meals a month being served to the people that live at the house, including our staff. Um, we provide transportation uh, to the rehabilitation center. Um, we have uh, two nurses on staff that uh, their, their primary responsibilities are uh, the exercise program, the daily exercise program that, that uh, our guest patients need. Um, it's a very unique project. Um, it, it's definitely one of a kind in our part of Honduras, and it very well could be the only project like it in, in all the country. And, um, and by God's grace, we celebrated our second anniversary, April of this year. Amen. Um, let's see, we've got some more pictures. So a couple of quick pictures. That's the front entrance of the Reuben House and uh, just a picture of, of uh, a part of the grounds. In the background, you can see a little bit of Mount Selake, um, the highest peak in Honduras. It's, uh, it's a beautiful setting. Um, just, it is peaceful, it's quiet, it's just perfect for, for not only physical rehabilitation, but, uh, but uh, the spiritual and the emotional and the mental rehabilitation that, uh, that, that we're focusing on. Um, you can go to the next picture. This was a blessing that we received in 2020. Okay, um, my timekeeper is doing a great job. I got to hurry up. Um, so this was a blessing we received in 2020. Um, this also is an extremely unique vehicle in Honduras. Um, we had to import it from South Korea. Um, that was the lead that uh, we got to have a mobility van. So this is how we provide transportation uh, to the rehabilitation center. This is our ministry tool because now we transport the Ruben House to church services in Gracias on a regular basis. And for those of you that have been there, we actually made it up to La Campa in that van a few months ago when the roads were much better. But now that is absolutely out of the question. Um, so I wanted you guys to see a picture of that. Um, real fast. Um, you see Reuben uh, being stretched out, uh, our nurse uh, working with him. If you saw Reuben the way we saw Reuben, being malnourished and being curled up in a fetal position in his bed in, in his community, barely being able to, to move and extend anything in his body, you don't understand how much of a miracle that picture is. The other picture is Rosalina. She came to the house uh, shortly before the pandemic. Um, and uh, uh, again, the improvements that she's seen have, have been absolutely remarkable. Um, let's go to the next, uh, next uh, slide real fast. So little Jobine is a little six-month-old boy we found with a paralyzed right arm. And God has been doing great things physically from, for this little baby and, and doing a great work in, 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 in the life and the faith of, of this family. As, as the MRI said, there's no surgery, nothing that we can do. The orthopedic specialist said, I can't fix anything but he needs therapy, and with therapy and God, we'll see what happens. We watched this little boy right before we left raise his arm up at the shoulder when it was said that that probably wasn't going to happen. He was going to have to learn how to live with it. Um, next slide. Um, 
Byron, uh, another case, don't have time to go through all of his case right now. We were able to help him get surgery. Um, hasn't been able to walk for about five years uh, due to uh, effects of an infection that he had. The surgery has extended his tendons here, here, and his ankles. So in that picture, that was the day we brought him home. And that was the first time that his legs were extended and his feet were up in a natural position in years. Um, we don't know for sure, but, um, but the prognosis seems very good that with uh, rigorous therapy and exercise and care that we provide at the Rubin House, that he'll be able to walk again. So we're praying and trusting God because ultimately God will be the one that decides whether or not he walks again. So um, those are our two newest uh, patients at the house. Um, we have a waiting list. Um, uh, seven people are on our waiting list. Six of them are children. So we're working hard to, to try to expand our capacity uh, at the Rubin House to be able to serve more people. So we've answered quite a few questions. Um, uh, we've answered the where and, and, and the when. The when is now. And really, I guess the biggest question left to answer is, well, why do we do it? Okay, so, so um, well, we're going to talk about why we do it. Um, I found this verse uh, not too terribly long ago, Ezekiel 34, verses 15, and the first part of 16. God, was, God said, I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. Jesus clothed and healed uh, many, many of whom he came into contact with during his ministry uh, while he was here on, on, on earth. He told the disciples that he said what he heard the Father saying, and he did the things that he saw the Father doing. So using Jesus as our example, we, in partnership with you, uh, are doing the same, uh, are, are doing our best to, to be obedient and do the same thing. Obviously, all the healing and all the things that happen, God gets all the glory for that. That's all his doing. Um, but above all of the feeding and the clothing and the medical clinics and attention and therapy and house building and all those things is the greater need that every single person has and that greater need is their need for a savior. And we have not left that behind in pursuit of these other activities. Um, we are still seeking the lost, um, as God uh, said we ought to be doing. These activities that we do are simply a means to an end to help more people come to know Jesus. So the things that the people receive are, are certainly a blessing, but ultimately um, a healthy body with a lost soul has no eternal value whatsoever. So uh, we're working to, to address uh, both, of those, uh, both of those conditions. Okay, so let me ask you a question. And this question serves as the title for the message that uh, we're going we're gonna to hear this morning. What kind of feet do you have? Yep. What kind of feet do you have? Um, please turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 10. Um, these will be very familiar verses to most of you here this morning. And, um, or I say turn in your Bibles, open up your Bible app, whatever, whatever it is. I, 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 I still like to have my, my paper Bible up here, but, but uh, the, the Bible app is just as applicable, so, so go for it. And... Um, I'd like to pray for us uh, briefly before we uh, open up the Word and get started. So let me, let me pray. But Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, to uh, worship together, to uh, talk about you, to celebrate and rejoice in all that you do and all that you are doing and all that you will do. Uh, we thank you for your Word and that you've given us the opportunity to open up today. We thank you for, 
for how your word um, enlightens us and the truth of your word. And just pray that that, uh, that you're honored uh, this morning as we continue as we continue on and we look into your word. Speak to our hearts in whatever way that uh, you know each of us needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 17. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, getting saved and becoming a follower of Jesus is easy, right? From a process standpoint, it might look kind of easy. Okay, you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. And yet, oftentimes men and religion and religious systems, we make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be, right? Okay, but based on someone's reaction, um, it's not really all that easy to be saved, is it? It's not, it's, it's, uh, the, maybe, maybe the process isn't so complicated, but there is a hard part. A person has to know who they are believing in. They have to know why they are believing in him. A person has to know what Jesus did for them and why they even needed Jesus to come in the first place, to come and die on the cross for them and shed his blood for them in the first place. So a lot of us probably over the years have seen a, a church marquee or something, and, and there'll be a message on there that says, Jesus is the answer. One time I, actually, I, I, saw, um, I saw Jesus is the answer spray painted somewhere. I don't know why it was someplace where there was spray paint and graffiti, but there was. Um, and I, I saw it spray painted, Jesus is the answer. Somebody came behind, kind of underneath it, and said, what is the question? To the lost world, that's a great question. What is the question? People have got to know they're lost before they're going to get saved. Okay, so in our evangelism, we have to be sure that we proclaim the entire gospel. Okay, people have to know that they're sinners. Okay, I don't want to admit I'm a sinner. People have to understand. We have to admit that we are failures to the law. We can't do anything to change that, and there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. We have to surrender our very selves to God the Father in order to be saved. We have to admit that we are not right and that there is an absolute moral authority that we are accountable to. So I guess you could sum it up by saying we have to swallow our pride. And admit that we can't do it. Jesus is the only way. He's the only one that can do it. Um, and that's, that's not easy to do. Um, and unfortunately, many people refuse to do that. Um, I truly hope, from my heart, I hope that every one of us here this morning, um, or if anybody's listening, I don't know if you're still streaming services, anybody's listening online, um, I really hope that every single one of us has done this, has made this decision, the hard choice, to swallow our pride and surrender ourselves and our lives to Jesus. It was painful. It took me a long time to get there. I went 29 years uh, doing it my own way. Um, you know, like the song, I did it my way. I did it my way for 29 years. 
And, um, and it's a miracle that God didn't take me out because some of the stuff I was doing, I made it easy to, to depart from this world. But, um, but uh, uh, in his grace and his mercy, he didn't allow me to do it my way forever. Um, because doing it the way we want, that's not the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. So Paul wrote that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. When we do that, makes all the difference. We can do it now, while we're alive, during this time that the Lord has given us, however much time it is, we can do it now, and we can receive the gift of forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life in the presence of God the Father. Or, you can do it later. Because guess what? The Word says you're going to do it. Everybody's going to do it. If you do it later, after you depart this earth that we live in, it will make a bit of difference. Except the fact that it fulfills God's Word. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So how will anyone ever confess and believe if they, if they don't hear? No one's going to believe if they don't hear. Okay? So people need a preacher, the Bible says here in Romans. And the preacher must be sent. I love how logically Paul made his arguments. Okay? I mean, there's parts of the Bible that are a challenge to understand, and, we, and, and, and it takes you know, a lot of extra study and prayer and asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom to, to, to open up a proper understanding. Um, but this, is, this isn't one of those parts. This is very logical and straightforward. I love it. So let's look at verse 15. How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Okay, so maybe somebody here thinks that feet aren't that ugly. Okay, I'm not going to take a poll. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands and, and say whether you think feet are ugly or, or not. Um, me, personally, I'm not a big fan of feet. Okay, from an aesthetic standpoint, I, you know, feet don't do it. So, and you know what, I, I see the commercials on TV and a lot of those, those products and things are aimed at, at, at much more at the women, all the scrubbing and the buffing and the polishing and the, all the stuff that, that, that women can do to their feet to, to make them look better. Um, I don't know, maybe men should try it. Not the polish part, maybe the scrubbing and the buffing. Maybe our feet wouldn't be so ugly if we did that, I don't know. But, um, but anyway, I, I don't care how much of that you do. Feet are feet, right? Okay, I'm grateful that I have two healthy feet, okay, but... Feet are feet. That's just for me. Um, so so um, when I was preparing the message, I was thinking about, um, about this, and I thought, well, you know, I could take my shoes and my socks off up here, and, and you know, we could all see how, how not beautiful my feet are. And then I thought, well, I could put a slide in here with a picture of mine and Jean's feet, and, and then everybody would know for sure that, uh, that our feet are not aesthetically pleasing. Um, but I would decide to spare that, you know, spare all of you guys having to, having to deal with that and just use your imaginations. Um, <laughs> but with that in mind, does anybody here think we have beautiful feet? Aesthetically speaking, no. But God thinks we have beautiful feet. Then I thought about Joel and Wilna and all the team members who were last with us in 2019 who came and we're taking the good news of the gospel to uh, people in the community of Koalaka. Many of you are here this morning. So does anybody think they have beautiful feet? 
No, I'm pretty sure they don't have beautiful feet either, okay? I'm not going to say they do or they don't. I'm pretty sure they don't. Well, I've seen Joel's feet, so I, you know, I, 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 I can say those feet aren't beautiful. But they are beautiful. You guys all have beautiful feet because God says so. God says beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things, okay? So we're thinking about our verses here in Romans, and maybe you're thinking, ah, well, I'm off the hook. I'm not a preacher. Well, well, I've got bad news for you. I'm not a preacher either. Um, I, I'm not excluded from having beautiful feet and, uh, and, and taking the, the gospel. Look at it real quickly, if you like, or, or um, at uh, the Great Commission. Uh, very familiar verses probably to all of us here. Jesus came up and spoke to them, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you when you feel like it. Did did, did it say that? No, that's not what the Great Commission is? No. Great Commission is not an option. Okay? This is not optional. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, having beautiful feet and doing all these things, teaching and baptizing and making disciples is not an optional activity. Okay? So we're all called to have beautiful feet to bring the good news of the gospel to someone. Now, here's maybe a bit of good news for you. You don't even have to come to Honduras to do it. Okay? We want as many of you to come to Honduras when, as God calls to come to Honduras. We want you to bring your beautiful feet down there and go with us and, and, and share the gospel, okay? But in the meantime, you can have beautiful feet right here in Temple, Texas, okay? Because there are no shortage of people here that need to hear about Jesus and who need the gospel, okay? And I would be willing to bet if the Lord's put Honduras on your heart, you could probably go not too far and even find some Hondurans here in Temple, Texas that need to hear about Jesus, okay? So you can have beautiful feet right here. All right, so let's look at, I gotta get back to Romans here, hang on. Let's look at Romans 10, verse 16. However, they, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Uh-oh, projection. All didn't believe. You might share the gospel with somebody and they're not going to believe. Okay? But when it says they did not all heed the good news, that means some did. Some did hear and some did believe. Okay? So don't let the fear of being rejected prevent you from sharing the gospel, from having beautiful feet and taking the good news of the gospel to someone. Okay, I mean, Jesus was here. He's walked on the earth. He asked people, come follow me. I said, no. I said, no to Jesus. Okay, what did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, when they reject you, they reject me, and they reject he who sent me. Okay, don't worry about being rejected. Many more people reject Jesus or choose not to follow him than do when we go out and share the gospel in communities in Honduras. You'll find the same thing here too. But don't worry about being rejected because they're not really actually rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting God the Father. Let's pray that they don't continue to do that. Maybe the next time you go and share with them, it will be different. Maybe the next time somebody else goes and shares with them, it'll be different. Let's pray for that to happen.
Okay, so, so not all heed the message or heed the good news, but some do accept the good news, okay? And uh, someone who did um, is a gentleman named Julio. Those of you who were with us in Honduras in 2019 might remember a, a young man named Julio. We went and visited his house and um, bringing the good news of the gospel all with our beautiful feet according to the word. And before we finished saying all that we thought we were had, needing to say to Julio to help him make the decision, he picked a break in the action and, and he said, okay, can I just accept Jesus right now? I'm like, well, wait a minute. I got more stuff to tell you, you know? <laughs> we're, we're like, well, yeah, I guess you can. Um, so, so, you know, we prayed and, and he became a follower of Jesus that day. Um, Jesus became his Lord and Savior that very day. So Julio continues to be discipled by Pastor Jorge, who uh, I think you guys all got to meet uh, perhaps while you were there. Um, uh, we work with Pastor Jorge on a regular basis. Um, so Julio has been growing in his knowledge and in his faith and in his abilities as a leader. Um, there's a few families that have been meeting to have church in his house um, ever since uh, July 2019. Um, and um, there's a really strong possibility that uh, we'll have the privilege, our ministry will have the privilege of helping to build a church in that community in 2022. So some do. Amen. Some do accept the message. All right, verse 17. We're getting, we're getting close to, to uh, the end of our text here. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I immediately, in my mind, I go to John 1. Okay. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus Christ is the living word. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the good news that we have to take to people. Okay. There's no other name by which men can be saved. As we've already talked about one day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And God has entrusted to each of us that are here today, each of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, God has entrusted us with the responsibility of helping people come to knowledge and faith in him through the hearing of his word. There's no other way, okay? That's it. He is relying on each of us to be the ones who do that. God's got no plan B, okay? Let the Holy Spirit drive that into your hearts and your minds right now. God has no plan B. He is relying on us to do this, period. How many ways could he have chosen to do it? I don't know. I mean, what difference does it make? This is the way he chose to do it, okay? He's relying on us to be faithful and to be obedient and to have beautiful feet to take the gospel to, to all the world, okay? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, it is up to us to help people hear. These verses that we've looked at this morning um, are not familiar verses to, to a lot of people in Honduras, across the mountains and the places that we go and visit, and the people that we talk to. There are not familiar verses. Um, most people in our part of Honduras think they're saved by, by their good works, 
they're saved by their church membership or they're saved because, you know, you know, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everybody always went to church. So somehow they're, they're, they think they're saved by all those things. Oddly enough, it turns out that it matters very little whether they actually do much in the good work, in the way of good works, or whether they go to church very often. Somehow they believe that, that all those things are, 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 are going to save them. These were not familiar verses to the folks at the Reuben house either. Um, but they are now because God has given us the opportunity to teach these verses and many other verses about salvation um, and about the good news uh, to, to everybody at the Reuben house. And God gave us the blessing to baptize three new believers through the ministry of the Reuben house uh, last September um, because their faith came through the hearing of the word of Christ. So while not every single one of us will receive the call to be a pastor or a preacher or a missionary, every single one of us who claim, claims the name of Jesus Christ has the responsibility to be active in God's redemption plan. Like we said, the Great Commission doesn't have a, an optional clause in it. There's no escape clause. The pastor can't do it all. These missionaries can't do it all. It takes all of us using our beautiful feet to bring the good news of the gospel to as many as possible, as quickly as possible. And when every tribe, every nation, every tongue hears the gospel, Jesus will return. Amen? Okay. Um, I have no idea how I've done on time. If I'm early, if I'm late, I don't have a clue. Um, but um, I want to thank uh, all of you for being here. I want to thank Pastor Ridge um, for allowing us to, to, to be here today, for allowing me to, to stand in the pulpit for Joel and Wilna. And I do want to mention something else. I, 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 I forgot this earlier. Um, I want to thank this church and for how the mission team, I, I can't talk about how all of your teams are. Okay, I have experience with, with the, the teams that come to Honduras, so I'm going to talk very specifically about that 2019 team. I want to thank you for the fact that every person on that team was prepared, trained, <coughs> equipped to present the gospel. And not only, it wasn't just some head knowledge that they were given before they left. They were expected to do it when they were there. And from the youngest to the oldest, the gospel was shared during that week. And God was honored and his kingdom is moving because of that. So I, 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 I meant to mention that in another part of the message, but I'm doing it at the end. So, so, um, so thank you all. Again, it's an honor and privilege to stand up here this morning and be able to share um, what God's been doing. And um, it's my prayer that, uh, that, that uh, you're encouraged, uh, that you guys are all as encouraged about what God's doing in, in our part of Honduras as we are. And Lord willing, we look forward to seeing uh, as many of you as possible in Honduras another time. All right, thank you.